Hi, I'm Frank. I don't like change. And I just saw a billboard for this new BJ's Wholesale Club talking about up to 25% off grocery store prices. Oh, really? What's wrong with paying full price, huh? No, sir. I would not join BJ's Wholesale Club. Let's agree to disagree, Frank. Say you do want to sign up to get a $40 digital BJ's gift card. Join the new BJ's Wholesale Club, opening soon in New Albany. Visit bj's.com slash newalbany or the BJ's Membership Center on North Hamilton Road. Limited time offer, new members only. Donica Strange Riscano, author, speaker, and community leader, comes to you today with Recapture, the weekly program that gives a biblical perspective on living a Christ-centered life as you walk through your recovery journey. Our focus is providing healing for the family with love, knowledge, forgiveness, and information. I am Donica Strange Riscano. This week on Recapture, we are speaking with a very special guest, Miss Monica Strange. I told you last time, Monica Strange is my twin sister. We will be discussing the pandemic, COVID-19, and how it is affecting those in recovery and those that are seeking treatment for their substance use disorders. Welcome, Monica. Hey, twin. Thank you so much. I am so glad, so glad to be here. I'm glad to have you. I'm going to read a little bit about you. Miss Monica Strange is a graduate of California State University, Fresno. Monica holds a bachelor's degree in business administration with a finance option. She graduated with a master's of art in counseling in 2012. Monica's area of professional strength and passion is support of those with behavioral health issues and benefit plans. Most recently, she has been awarded a trusted Trust Excellence Award in her employer. She actually works for uh, National Health Insure. Monica is a published author. Her book is called The Event, Your Journey to an Abundant Life Experience. Her book was published in 2016. She is one of my trusted advocates and friend. What else would you like to add? For yourself, Monica. Well, Donica, thank you, twins, so much for having me here. What I would say is that I'm an advocate of Donica and her programs that we help women in recovery from drugs and alcohol, and that our greatest work, we, we're going to proclaim it today, our greatest work is the Patricia Ann Strange Diamond Celebration. And so with you as the founder, I will do everything within my physical power to help you see that expand and grow and have a greater impact on women. That's what I would say today, and that's what I would say to you. Thank you so much, Swin. I receive it. So we're going to jump right in. We're talking about the pandemic, COVID-19, and it's how it's impacting those in recovery and those that are seeking treatment for their alcoholism and substance use disorders. In our country, uh, about 100, as of today, as of this recording, 185,000 Americans have lost their lives due to COVID-19, and over 6 million people have been diagnosed. Uh, what impact have you seen in the recovery since uh, since the start of COVID-19? Well, one thing that I would say is that 
we've seen some really great improvements in telemedicine. So with the COVID impact, quarantine and isolation, as well as social distancing, you're not having the ability to go out to your therapist, your sponsors, your group settings. And so telemedicine has been a great boom or increase in the recovery sphere. Not only that, we're seeing an increase in the medical sphere as well. What we call telemedicine has kind of warped or morphed, and depending on your languages, could be seen as telemedicine, telehealth, or virtual visits. And what those allow you to do is have a computerized session with your therapist or to have a technology-based treatment with your therapist, your counselor, uh, online and telephonically as well. And that increase is giving addiction treatment providers unprecedented freedom uh, to make prescriptions and evaluate their patients over the phone. We're seeing uh, changes in the last few months uh, that in some cases the addiction, addiction or recovery advocates have been really pushing for for a really long time. And in others, we didn't really think uh, were possible. So we're seeing great strides in telemedicine. Awesome. With the technology such as uh, telemedicine, as you discussed, how has that helped in the recovery sphere or other improvements? Yes. Well, thank you. So prior to the pandemic uh, and in other, even in prior to the opioid epidemic overall, um, organizations that provided telehealth services for patients with OUD, which is opioid use disorder, uh, they had to comply with state and federal regulations. And the flexibility to use telehealth or telemedicine uh, to treat OUD remotely means that patients can avoid travel, which is especially important for individuals in rural communities and where few clinicians are available. So that's a really good opportunity there. Uh, this this is really an opportunity to help patients in rural communities and why we're in this quarantine space. It helps people to get the treatment they need without putting themselves at risk or exposing themselves or the treating clinicians to the COVID. What other areas of improvement should we look forward to? Well, despite the uh, improved in technology, uh, what we found is that uh, suspected overdoses have jumped nationally. Now, some of this data is a little bit delayed. It's coming from the spring, uh, April, May, or June. But according to an article in the Washington Post, uh, in some jurisdictions, dispatch calls for overdoses increased more than 50%. And so what this says, uh, emergent evidence suggests that uh, and continued isolation, the economic devastation, and what I would call uncertainty. When you're in treatment, some people are not long-timers in their recovery experience. And so they, there's an uncertainty. Am I going to go back to work? Am I going to be able to be in fellowship with my recovery community? And so those things offer some disruption um, in your recovery process. I think that's true, though, with anyone, any person, whether they're facing addiction or not, the uncertainty being quarantined, uh, 
economic woes, being in confined spaces, not getting out, not seeing people. I think that in, in impacts the overall population. But from what you're telling me, it's having a greater impact on the audience that we serve as well. Yes, but you know what? I was reading the scripture the other day that says uh, with man, with man uh, some things are impossible. But with God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. And so while you can see the data out there showing that there's some barriers to treatment, and these barriers are, like you said, across the spectrum for people across the spectrum from people at home uh, for other ailments, medical ailments, you, you know, I had a doctor that actually had a sign on the door. It's like they're a doctor's office, but it's like, you got a fever, uh, this or that, bye. We're not treating COVID patients. So they were only treating well patients for well visits. And that was your regular primary care physician. So these are things that we're seeing um, for the recovery sphere as well. But with God, all things are possible. What other trends are you seeing? Well, some interesting trends that we saw uh, was related to um, patients receiving treatment um, non-black or non-Hispanic patients were not receiving uh, treatment such as for other patients. And so we see an opportunity for improvement there. So for black, non-Hispanic, or Hispanic women with overheard use disorders, they were significantly less likely to receive any medication for treatment and were less likely to receive um, any drugs during their pregnancy compared to white, non-Hispanic. But again, with God, all things are possible. And that's an area that we could see for improvement as well. Another thing that we saw was very interesting Online drug distribution. Um, There was an increase of people actually selling drugs online. And there is um, a program that is out there to help. uh, The FDA launched a pilot program to crack down on the growing numbers of illegal opioids sold online. So that's a really interesting trend that we were seeing. And we'll see more emphasis in work and developing a disruptor to that. So from what you're saying, some trends that you're looking at are looking to make improvements in the cares that's being provided to some populations, but there's also was a negative trend where you're saying that the drug dealing was has moved from the streets, from what you're discussing, is moved online. And so yeah, so pro- what it is is there are some standard... Um, online prescribers that people use for standard medicine and treatment. But what the uh, FDA pilot showed was that um, they sent a letter out notifying uh, several companies that manage and maintain registries of uh, internet domains and those domain users who actually prescribe. uh, They issued a warning letter to those sites that were illegally selling opioids. And the FDA is going to continue to work on sending those letters and decide whether to take further action and possibly suspending or blocking those domains. And so I'm a, I'm a sidebar here. In this COVID environment, you have seen the breadth 
of development and pivot in business, pivot in our lifestyle in my very own neighborhood, I see more people riding bikes. I see more people taking walks. I see more people who are in business pivot their businesses virtually and online. And so in that same regard, uh, people are going to pivot in another way that doesn't bring God, God glory and does not serve the greater good. And we see that in the recovery of the opioid spear. But again, the FDA is taking action and observing and making long-term decisions about how to manage that and uh, provide a disruption to it. Yeah, so you said that you have recognized pivots or changes in how a certain group of people are being treated. You also talked about cracking down on the illicit sale of opioids and how the government is cracking down on those online facilities. How have facilities that treat patients pivoted or what changes have you seen for drug treatment programs? Well, um, originally I talked about some of the telemedicine and telehealth virtual visits. But one thing that I wanted to say that as a Christian body, we should be looking forward to and praying about for our recovery family is that rehab facilities have been impacted by COVID as much as medical or traditional facilities in terms of their workers or providers being impacted by COVID. And so in some cases, rehab facilities had to actually close down because of their treating providers contracting um, COVID. So that's one thing that we have seen in the recent environment as well, something we should keep in prayer. And so they, um, what type of best practices has these facilities implemented to reduce the spread of COVID towards their patients or their staff? A great question. It's the standard um, standard practices across the board using CDC guidelines for a, a social distancing, um, washing your hands, using your mask, making sure that the facilities have PPE for their employees, as well as this is very true in rehabs anyway, limiting visitors. Those type of CDC guidelines are being strictly followed in rehab facilities, just like we're adhering to in our common practices, restaurants, doctor's offices, and so forth. I want you to kind of reiterate and go over with me uh, about the what is causing an increase in the overdose since the start of COVID-19? Wow, Donica Twin, that, that's a good question. The increase in overdosing for this COVID pandemic is really, number one, social isolation. We're emotional bodies. We're bodies of fellowship. We like to be with our family, our friends, our colleagues. And this quarantine the social isolation has increased overdoses as well as economic uncertainty. People are out of work. Their family members are out of work. I would say as well as uncertainty overall. Am I going to be able to get back to my recovery family? For those who are seeking recovery. And then in terms of that, just emotional loss. 
some people actually are losing family members or their family members are becoming ill. And so all of these pieces, the social isolation, the economic impact, the uncertainty, the personal loss is impacting in a person's ability to cope. And as a result of that, they are taking um, more opioids and are impacted by an overdose. I think even though we work in the sphere where we share our mother's story of recovery, where we discuss programs that can help the community, I, I think when I initially saw the statistic and the statistic that I saw was from May, it said there was a 42% increase in opioid overdose since the pandemic began. And that's a startling statistic for me. But I, I think traditional information shows that opioid usage originated in um, pain management. Is there any help for that? Yeah, you know, they've reached recently uh, issued some provided guidance for individuals taking opioids. Uh, and some of this information released in a recent um, internal medicine journal emphasized that taking opioids uh, should not be the first choice of pain management. So to your point, the information or increase in opioid addiction really had to do with just regular, normal, everyday Americans injured on the job, slip and fall at home, car accidents, and they begin to be prescribed medication for their back pain, their injury. That's common and it's well known. But the most recent article said that taking opioids shouldn't be your first choice for chronic medical pain. Uh, that's not caused by cancer. Uh, the also, authors of the article also said patients should talk to their doctor about other ways for managing their pains. And uh, it discusses or highlights how you can manage opioid use if you do become uh, addicted. So the article talks about not necessarily using medication or opioids. Initially, speaking with your doctor about different treatment options. But if you do, along your journey of your pain management, get into a situation where you determine that you're maybe misusing misusing your medication, that there's also help for you. Right. One thing I'd like to say is that our language relative to how we have conversations with our doctors with our family members, for instance, um, a person is, you know, on opioids, really he or she is impacted by opioids. N not only placing that burden on the patient, l let's allow an opportunity for the patient to be free. They're not on drugs but they're impacted by opioid use. And that allow us to have a conversation with them that's not burdensome to the patient and does not foster stigma. 
Thank you so much for that observation, Monica. And I think that this is, thank you for being a part today. Thank yes, you for, thank you for all having of the me. wealth of information that you provided, not only on the sphere that speaks of the new trends since COVID-19, or how the facilities are treating patients, what patients can do um, to, to prevent themselves from feeling isolated or alone or feeling downtrodden every week. On Recapture, we have something that we call Tips for the Journey. And I want to talk about the tip that we are going to give today is in um, Joel chapter 2. And it says that God um, will restore the years the locusts and the canker worm have eaten. And when I was reading the passages, when I was reading about the prophet Joel, and it was a word of prophecy, the commentary said it didn't discuss or the prophet did not discuss what the people had done or what the people were going through. And so when we're on our recovery journey where we're dealing with our loved ones who faced an addiction, we often just think about the tough road ahead or the tough space that we're in, the addiction of the person. The person is in treatment. The uh, you're a mom and your child is in treatment. You're a spouse. Your spouse is in treatment. You have a parent in treatment. And you don't look at the promises of God. And so today, I am standing on the promises of God with the tip for our journey, which is I'm going to be saying it over and over and over again. Why are we here? Why are we talking? Why are we sharing this story? Why are we sharing our mom's story? Because I believe there's so many times when I get on, listen to the radio and someone is sharing a message, how it impacts me, how it uplifts me, how it makes me go to the word of God and be encouraged. That is what our hope is for our listening audience today, that you will be encouraged, that you will be restored, that you will know that you are redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, not for what God is going to do. I think I said that last week, not for what God is going to do, but for what he's already doing in your life. And the word of God, it says, Joel said it, he is restoring the years that the locust and the canker worm has eaten. And that is the tip for the journey that I will share with you on today. So I would say the word prevails. The word prevails. The Bible says that I'm the Lord thy God that healeth thee. The scriptures also say that by his stripes we are healed. The scripture says that he will give healing to his children. Or it says he he has healing bread for his children. Amen. So we're healed by the word of God. If we find that we're in a situation where our family members are struggling, then we know that we're healed. And that's the greatest testimony that we can have from the Word of God. We're not here in the faith-based space to bring information without bringing recommendation. And the recommendation is to get back in the Word. And the Word is not the only place. The recommendation is to seek help. Yes. There are prescribers. There are trained individuals such as therapists, uh, counselors, psychologists, and 
psychiatrists who are trained, educated, not only that, they love the Lord and serve the Lord. And so I would say to you, you can get the help you need with somebody who understands the word and who is trained to serve you. Thank you so much, Monica Strange, for being here with me on Recapture. Thank you. We are talking about every week being restored, having something given back to our lives that was lost or taken. You are not alone on your journey. Join us again next week for more information. My name is Donica. I had my twin sister as my co-host on today. You'll be hearing a lot more from her. Join us again on this broadcast next week for recapture. Thank you for joining us on this week's broadcast. My prayer is that you continue to grow, find peace, forgiveness, knowledge, and information. To learn more or connect with us, visit our website at the PSDiamondCelebration.com. Until next time.